is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Whoever the hell that voice is on the intro ain't lying to you, folks. The Steelers Standard is back with another edition. I am Tom Opferman. That is Jacob Recht. Cut down day number two has come and gone for your Pittsburgh Steelers. You normally don't get the drama until the final cutdown day, the final day that puts you at your 53-man roster. That's when you really need to thin this thing out. We had a little drama, though, on the second day of cutdowns. Jacob, feed me the names that got cut, but save the best one for last. All right, here we go, Tom, because you are without your handy-dandy cell phone today. I have the names here. O-lineman Avante Collins. Aviante Collins? Doesn't matter. He's gone now. We Avion? don't need to worry about it. Some Avion no, he's gone Maybe now. To, yeah. to, to calm the nerves for that guy. Wide receiver Tyler Simmons. Running back Pete Guerrero. Linebacker Calvin Bundage. And as you said, the last name on that list is probably the most shocking. And I got to throw it out there, Tom. I feel shocked about this last guy. And we don't need any list to tell us who this guy is. Antoine Brooks Jr. Yeah. What is with that, Tom? Very, very shocking move. I feel shocked as well that the Steelers made to reduce their roster to 80 uh, just the other day. You know, one of those things that you listed is not like the other, and that's Antoine Brooks Jr. Uh, None of the other guys that got cut really made it higher than number three or four on any depth chart that you saw from the Steelers. I mean, the Pete Carrero, the running back, was signed like a week ago and then was just shipped out of town. But Antoine Brooks Jr. was a guy who came into training camp as the leader for that nickel cornerback spot. He was number one on the depth chart. It was his job to lose from the jump. Obviously, you know, it wasn't as secure as other people who had that number one spot on the depth chart. But he was the leader, at least to start things. And you really have to wonder what went wrong. And I think in a lot of cases with sports, the most obvious answer is the actual answer. And I think the injury is probably maybe just a little bit more severe than the Steelers had hoped. Or maybe doctors told them, look, Antoine Brooks is going to be fine for week one, week two, but this is something that could linger throughout the entire year. This is something that's not going to be easy for him to get over. And the Steelers probably said, you know what? With a position as fringe as this and a position battle as tight as this is, we can walk away from Antoine Brooks Jr. if it's going to be injury problems all year long. I think that's the thread to pull on as to what happened here. Tom, I'd be fine with that logic if this was the cuts to get down to 53. This this was the cuts to get down to 80. You still have a lot of time between now and the final 53. I don't really understand why you made this move now. That's my That's my biggest problem with it. I think it has to be this the, the injury, they're frustrated with it, or they just but know that he's not going to bring anything else to the table. Like, I guess that they don't think he's going to play against Carolina or be able to practice in the rest of the, the weeks leading up to that game or the two weeks between Carolina and Buffalo. And I think they're just telling themselves, why waste any time, you know? It could also be a testament to some guys are just playing a lot better than they expected. Maybe somebody in that defensive backfield that they thought about cutting has has looked pretty damn good so far. And they said, well, let's keep that body around for this next week for this Panthers game. Get our 53-man guys in shape with him because we keep Antoine Brooks around. It's just kind of hoping that he comes back and stays healthy. He's not going to actually help us on the practice field. He's not going to help us in the game against Carolina. So maybe that's just going into it. It's just, you know... We have other bodies here that are healthy, and Antoine Brooks, 
you were a sixth round pick. Your status on this roster, despite being the lead dog for the nickel spot, wasn't that solid to begin with. So I think this is just a case of we need bodies in camp and you're just not available. So we need I'm available. Sorry. Bodies. We need availability. That's the most important ability in all of sports. And Antoine Brooks has not had it all year. He is not, but I still don't understand why not just try to maybe rehab it a little bit, whatever he's dealing with. Again, you have time between now and 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 by the time you have to cut it down to 53. Why not continue to work with the guy to see if you can make progress with this? At this point, you're just saying, well, it's not even worth it. So I'm guessing with that logic, they really don't believe that, I guess, a fully healthy Antoine Brooks is even worth keeping. I think you just hit it right on the head. That's also po- the part of this equation is I think they're so impressed with some of the other defensive backs play right now that they're even questioning their decision. Well, okay, is Antoine Brooks really going to give us the best three corners on the field when we go nickel? Uh, I know they were really attracted to his ability to blitz. He's a bit of a bigger body playing safety in college, so going to be able to handle pulling guards a little bit more than you know a dainty little cornerback would be able to or – God forbid a Nick Chubb or a J.K. Dobbins runs out to the outside and bulls you over. You need to have a little bit of girth about you to handle that in that nickel spot. And maybe they just are impressed with some of the people behind him, that the Arthur Mollettes, who had some big plays against the uh, Lions in their last preseason game when he got some run there. Maybe they're impressed with the play of Justin Lane. I think Justin Lane has actually, despite kind of falling off the radar a little bit because of James Pierre, Justin Lane's played pretty decently throughout this preseason and definitely is a guy who's going to make this roster. I think Trey Norwood's made a play during the preseason and has been available throughout this entire camp. Miles Killebrew is a guy that they're very high on, someone that they went out and they got. Marcus Allen is another person that they're going to toy with that nickel spot. I mean, all these guys have just been available and have been giving them rep after rep after rep. I think after a while they were like, you know what, Antoine Brooks, it's not like this is our first-round, second-round pick from last year, and we got some dudes out here that are playing pretty well competing for this job. We need to focus on them and not worry about uh, Let's keep another guy that's healthy and can show us something for the next week. And I'm sorry, Antoine Brooks, but you've been waived. And you know what? He could still end up on the Steelers. He clears waivers. No one picks him up. Right. Steelers bring him back after the 53-man roster settled. I think of all those names, Tom, I want to call them fringe names, but just guys who aren't going to get the starting position. I think the one that I'm most comfortable going with has to be Arthur Millette because the whole time throughout training camp in, in the pre, three, preseason, pre, three preseason games, wow. Did That's not, a tongue twister. Did not expect it's okay. it to be. Uh, throughout that whole time, the two names we were talking about filling out the cornerback position were Antoine Brooks and Arthur Millette. And I think this could be a similar situation to the Justin Justin Lane and James Pierre conversation we were having at the beginning of the offseason. We, we have to hope that one of those guys is going to separate themselves. And I guess it's a little different. I don't think it's necessarily because Arthur Millette has really separated himself in a good way. But Antoine Brooks kind of just took that step backward. And that was enough yeah. to, to go 
confidently with Arthur Millette. Yeah, you, you, there's two ways to lose a job. I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but you either get beat out or you just, in fact, lose the job. And I think we're looking at the latter part of that sentence in this, in this occasion. I think he just simply lost his job not being available. The guy who's been the most impressive, though, uh, in all of the position battles is obviously James Pierre. I think we're trending right. towards Cam Sutton bumping on the inside, James Pierre being the outside guy, I think. For the year. I, I, not, yeah, exactly. just on, not just on nickel or dime packages. Yeah. Well, that was, I think, really. You think that James Pierre might jump on the outside even just with Joe Hayden and Cam Sutton's off the field? I think that's what—, what I thought that's what you were saying. No, that's, I'm saying that was that my question. It'd be Sutton and Hayden, but then I think what we're seeing for the nickel job okay. is Sutton bumps because in because initially, initially, let's start with what you're saying there. No, no, Do you no, think no, Pierre's I was, pushing Sutton now? No, I was asking, is that what okay, you were saying? Okay, well, listen, if you think that, that's fine because I think Pierre's been really good, and honestly, Sutton's not been that great. Well, so, so I just heard this yesterday off of Mark Madden's show. Stan Savern was the guest. Thanks Stan- for listening. Absolutely. You were you were you were working it, but I'm always listening. Stan said that Lamar Jackson and James Pierre are first cousins, and James Pierre came out and said, I'm faster than Lamar, and Lamar agreed to it. And this is Lamar Jackson, the most dynamic rushing quarterback in the entire NFL. I, I granted, not all quarterbacks are the fastest in the game, but Lamar Jackson is basically a running back who's throwing the ball. He's one of the faster players in football. Yeah, no right. Regardless of position, he's still pretty fast. But if J- if Lamar Jackson is out there saying James Pierre is pretty fast. Why would you not keep him out on the field for as, as many snaps as you possibly can? And and even more so that if you're lining him up on the sideline consistently, that's kind of negating a deep threat of the opposing offense. Well, I'll throw a little scenario out there that fits your your little fantasy of James Pierre being out there all the time perfectly. Who comes to, or we go, the Steelers, I should say, go to Kansas City the day after Christmas, and they face a man named Tyree Kill in the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. Probably the fastest player in the NFL By right far. now, Tyree Kill. I don't think there's a single guy that comes close. If one of our corners is at, is faster than Lamar Jackson, I think he can stay pretty close to Tyree Kill. Obviously, Hill being faster, you have to be strategic, give him some space, and play the position of cornerback well. Luckily, that's where Minka Fitzpatrick comes in to help. He too. helps as well, but listen— if you have a guy like James Pierre that's got the Jets like that, I mean, Joe Hayden's going to lose a step, obviously. He's getting older. And Cam Sutton is good, but he's not a burner. That's not his M.O. I'd love a burner back there. This, the receivers are getting faster and faster oh, in the yeah. NFL. It's Tyree well, Kill's the perfect example, but it's not just Tyree Kill that's going to be coming to face the Steelers that's going to be a burner. Speaking It'd be of so that. nice to have some flaming speed in that secondary and. Obviously, Minka has that as well, but I think James Pierre is probably the fastest player on the defense, if what Stan said is true. Speaking of that, you had said guys are getting faster and faster, and I had said it's Tyreek Hill and no one else, but the next closest guy that you could say to Tyreek Hill in terms of speed is probably DK Metcalf, who you're going to see, based off of this new extra week of the season, you got the Seahawks coming to town. Uh, on a Sunday night game, DK Metcalf is probably the second fastest receiver in the NFL. So chalk that scenario up to the Seattle game as well. You're probably going to need Pierre on DK that game. No, this is we're all just pointing at James Pierre gives you the best chance to when you put James Pierre out there, you have the best three cornerbacks on the field when you go nickel. You need to have you need to move off of what you said at the beginning of training camp where you wanted to have Sutton play on the outside. 
and just be on the outside for the rest of the season and you're just rotating in people at the nickel. I think that was a good idea to start camp. I don't think Sutton's really gone out and done much to grab that and make you feel super confident in him. And I think James Pierre's done a lot to make you feel more confident in his play. So I think the best defense for the Steelers when they go nickel, and this is now it's starting to get my eyes rolling because I feel like this debate has just been exhausted about the nickel corner, but it's important. It's one of the most important position battles. We've said that all throughout camp, all throughout the preseason. But it's just becoming clearer and clearer that the best three on the field when you go to that package is Pierre and Hayden on the outsides and Sutton on the inside. And I know you don't want to put too much on Sutton's plate and have him bump in and out and in and out, but Sutton's not exactly a rookie. Sutton's not exactly a long-term solution at that position. James Pierre might not be either, but he's got more of that potential than a Sutton does. I don't want to be moving James Pierre around, honestly, more than I would rather move Cam Sutton around. Is that a little far-fetched because they were so opposite? But I'd rather keep James Pierre on the outside only than have him play nickel and try that out. I think moving those two around is the perfect, perfect way to play the Steelers' defense when they go with that package. Yeah, I. Uh, it sounds like, though, Tom, the more and more we talk about this guy, James Pierre, the more and more we, we become high on him, the more and more we're, we're drinking the Kool-Aid provided by James Pierre, right? I agree. I think he's definitely the guy who – he he's the MVP of training camp. I think so. He's the one that's made the biggest name If anything, himself, he's co-MVP – Next, no, next hit, Melvin Ingram, uh, Alex Highsmith. I like Melvin Ingram too. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of guys. The Steelers had a phenoms. really good camp, like a really good camp, and I think, think James Pierce at the very top of that list. Think I mean, how much that could have helped them last year. Too. Really could have. I mean, you start eleven and zero, you really can't ask for much better. But when you finish twelve and four, that's where you're asking for much better. after you start eleven and zero, and who knows what a training camp could have done, and you don't want to chalk too much up to what preseason games results mean. But it feels good to win, no matter what. The guys who are fighting for a roster spot and like making, James Pierre. And, well, I don't know if James Pierre. I think as far James as starting roster. Sure, concerned. but I'm talking about like the Trey Norwoods and the Miles Killebrews and the and the Arthur Molettes. Those guys, without them, the Steelers aren't going to win a game. I mean, you need to have a full 60 minutes in order to win a game. And yeah, the biggest threat kind of came against the Lions when they scored three touchdowns to end the game. But I, I think you need that vote of confidence in them to just say, hey, you're capable of winning. Our starters are obviously going to be starting. But if you're able to win the game against your equivalent on opposing teams, that's got to feel good for them. And so I think overall the training camp process, the preseason games so far, the first three, I expect them to win against Carolina because I, I, I just think the starters there and the, and the, and the backups here – I think it's it's a much better suited game for the Steelers to win. I think all of that combined, I could not agree with you more, Tom, that this this whole offseason for the Steelers, even going back to the draft, and when you include Kevin Colbert's finagling of 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 the free agent market, free agency market this year, it, it's been a great offseason for the Steelers. Well, you said there's a lot of guys fighting for roster spots. Well, let's look at you know, some of the bigger position battles and talk about some of the guys we think are going to make it there and the guys that are going to be cut on this big cut day that is looming large after the Carolina game where you have to go from 80 guys down to 53. I mean, this is where things really start to get tight around that locker room right now. And in the secondary, you know, I think obviously the guys that are safe that were kind of in battles, I think James Pierre, like you said, locked to make this team. I think Miles Killebrew is a pretty good lock to make this team. I think they're pretty high on him. 
and you need safety depth. And for right. that reason, I think Trey Norwood's actually a pretty good bet to make the team as well. I think they're going to carry four safeties. I think they're going to have Killebrew and Trey Norwood. Especially when you consider yeah. just if Minka it, goes down, you're going to need that whole combination of Trey Norway, Miles Killebrew, and Terrell Edmonds. Yeah. Because I don't I don't know if Terrell Edmonds he's a starter for sure. And I don't know if Killebrew and Norwood are proven starters just yet. Especially Norwood. Killebrew could maybe swing that job on another NFL team. But yeah, I think with the possibility of losing Minka on any play, you gotta keep four guys. And also not technically listed as a safety. But I think you're going to keep Marcus Allen on this team as well as a good special teamer and a depth player. He can also do some things that a safety could do, even though he's a little bit beefier now. Sure, he still has that pedigree in sack. his background. Yeah, he got he, the sack against the Lions. I think he's going to stay. Justin Lane, like I said, he's been not terrible throughout preseason. And not as bad as we've thought. It's just James Pierre has been that much. Better. Really good special teams player too, Justin Lane. So I think he's pretty safe to make the team. Arthur Millette, now that Antoine Brooks has been waived, he's got to make this team as well. And you'll probably see maybe one more or two corners make it. That could be anybody. They could do Shakur Brown. They could do Lafayette Pitts. That's a guy that if you see him on the field on Sunday, things are not in good shape for the Pittsburgh Steelers in their secondary. Uh, maybe some guys that don't even get the helmets dressed as inactives on Sundays. But I, th I think the Brooks uh, waving really made things a lot clearer in that defensive backfield. And, you know, guys like Mollette and Lane can now breathe a little bit easier now. I agree. And even a Trey Norwood, honestly, because of Brooks' safety background. Mm, Trey I Norwood, I think, is the one guy where, for different reasons, I, I wouldn't say... I had that confidence that you have. I think it's for other reasons in terms of depth at, at his specific position. But I do like overall where where you think this team is headed in terms of keeping guys in the secondary. I don't think there's much position battles happening as far as roster spots throughout the rest of the defense. I think you're going to keep Quincy Roche and Jameer Jones because they've shown you so much. Uh, Cassius Marsh, maybe he's a little bit on the chopping block. He still might be a good depth guy to have, though. Special teamer. So well, he might, I, I by the think, grace of I think that, so make it. Right. I think so, too, because we know how young both Jameer Jones and Quincy Roche, Roche are. are. It wouldn't be surprising Marsh if one of those two goes. Marsh isn't a seasoned veteran who has legitimate NFL experience in a Pro Bowl or and a former Pro Bowler like Schobert and Melvin Ingram and right. Trey Turner who were brought in this year. But at least he's got some semblance of an NFL career. The offensive side of the ball is where these cutdowns can get really interesting, though. And the wide receiver position. Well, you don't want to talk about the defensive line because I think. I don't know a, if there's going to be much there. There's a packed. I think it's a packed field there. And you can only keep so many guys. I Nobody's mean, super relevant, though. Like, I guess Isaiah Bugs makes it. Carlos Davis is probably close. Wormley's probably going to make it because he's a veteran. They love I they're not going to cut louder milk. They love louder milk. They traded up to get him. They want that guy on their team even if he's inactive on Sundays. That's a, I think that's someone they're going to burn a 53 man spot for. You think they're going to keep eight defensive linemen? No, I don't. I think Davis is probably gone, but I'm not I'm not broken and then up that's about seven. that. I'm not broken up about that. You think seven's a good number to have? Is that it's I don't know, is much. that too much? It's probably too much. So who do you get do you even though they're high on him, bugs? Do you get rid of bugs? I don't know. It depends on how much you like Loudermilk, but Loudermilk is just Loudermilk throws a wrench in the whole thing because he's just 
a guy that I would think is an easy cut, but they traded up to get him this year, so they obviously you're not gonna you're, you're not, not just gonna yeah. let this guy go, if, if, especially if he's not you know just completely lost, like looks like his head sewn to the carpet out there. Like, he did if have he a looks penalty. Fine, he did have a penalty called against him against Detroit. That's not what you want to see, at no. a, but that's possible for any guy. But I do think it's a crowded defensive line. I got it. I know who's getting the axe. Are you gonna say T.J. Carter? Because no. that's just a that doesn't matter. He's he. It's a miracle he made it through this round. Henry Mondo, that See, guy's getting I, cut. I disagree. Nah, I, I think, think he's getting cut. I think they like. I mean, they they went out with him last year. Yeah, they went with him last year. Yeah, but I think that they're gonna put Wormley. If Tuit or Hayward goes down, I think Wormley's the first man that replaces either of those guys because he'll come in for Alu Alu, and you'll bump Alu Alu. See, I disagree outside. because it was it was Mondo who came in for the first time. Oh no, you're wrong. Wormley will be the nose tackle. No, this but I'm year. saying last year they went with Mondo in case. Oh, I didn't and, know we were living in the past. All right. Wormley will be the guy if one of those two ends goes down. They'll bump Alu Alu out to the outside. And then if Wormley goes down after that, it's probably Bugs or Davis that would be the next guy up. So Mondu would be a guy that I would look for to cut. But I think six to seven is probably too much on the defensive line. So you're saying Tyson, Tyson obviously Tyson, obviously Cam, the starters, yeah. Stefan to it. We, we assume Isaiah Loudermilk because they traded up to get him. That's four. Wormley. Wormley. That's one of, five. One of Bugs or Davis. That's, that's Maybe still six. Maybe you have six. I think you can live with six guys. I think you can live position. with six guys at that position, too. Even if you put one of the, like, the sixth guy on the practice squad and just keep your fingers crossed and hope no one grabs him. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a move that the Steelers can make. Offensively, though, wide receivers. I think Ray Ray McLeod is in a very interesting spot right now. I was on this show a couple of weeks ago, and I said I think Ray Ray's job is in jeopardy. I don't know if I feel that same exact way anymore. I think he's probably going to make this team as the fifth wide receiver. You saw a working example of what can happen at that position group, even though it's so deep when Chase Claypool had a little bit of an ankle thing, kept him out of the Lions game, and they didn't miss a beat at all with their wide receiver depth. And you saw it in action in the preseason, and I want to see it continue to look like that throughout the regular season. And even though I think Tony Mack's probably going to be the kick returner, Mm. And I'd like to see Deontay Johnson still return punts, although I'm not sure if they'd be high on that. You got to keep Ray Ray McLeod around just in case one of those guys gets hurt or, you know, you just want to roll him out there for punt returns, which I wouldn't be that opposed to either. So I think Ray Ray makes it. Cody White as the sixth man, probably going to make make himself practice squad. Matthew Sexton. He's been very impressive, but like he's got he's now had in back to back games. What's he been most impressive at as the returner? How many guys do you think are better than him at return on the on the roster? Probably just two, three. Ray, Ray, Deontay, and Tony. Mack. Well, you're not going to put Deontay as a return man this year. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I, I think certainly he, not in the kick return game. He's listed as the backup punt returner, and Mc, Tony Mack is listed as the backup kick returner right now. Ray, Ray being the starter in both categories as it stands right now on the depth chart. So yeah. Sexton's been impressed. Listen, I think Sexton's a guy that they might have thought would have been a cut in this 80 round, and he's been just so good. They're like, you got to keep this guy until final cutdown day. Practice squad, maybe for him. Maybe him and Cody White are in a very nice battle for that practice squad spot right now. He has been impressive on the kick returns and the punt returns, and that's definitely something that's making the Steelers think a little bit about him. But I still would just keep Ray Ray McLeod, and I think five receivers is probably enough. Because you can always keep one on your practice squad if things go south. I think five is enough. I agree. And he, my, my thing about Ray Ray is the fact that he has done nothing 
in the preseason as the return guy. He's had one good run and catch, and that's about it. True. I mean, that that's, that's it. I, there is nothing else of note that he's really done throughout this preseason. That's why I was saying Matt Sexton has gone out there and has actually performed and, and stepped up in that position. Do you not? You could probably practice squad Sexton. He's going to be. If that's probably what he could hope for if he wants to make this team in any sort of capacity. I don't see a Cody White. I mean, you were saying as a fringe guy, Rico Bussy stands no chance, sorry. No, these guys are all practice squad guys, I think. Uh, one of them. you got to pick one or two of them to put on your practice squad. Anthony, jo- Anthony Johnson stands probably the, the worst chance out of all of them. Yeah, the, the, I think the five are pretty set. I think Ray Ray is just a piece that, you know, you need that depth. You don't want to have him lingering on the practice squad. You don't want a Deontay Spencer situation again where you put this guy out there and then the Broncos take him and he's a pretty decent pit, punt returner, kick returner now for them. Same thing could happen to Ray Ray. If you give, give if you let him get exposed, the team's going to look at him and say, hey, we need some serious punt return help. We got to go out and claim Ray Ray McLeod. So I think that's pretty much set. The running back room, I think we're going to see a cut of Benny Snell. I, I feel it it's coming on the horizon. more and more that way, Tom. I can smell it almost. It just feels like that's the track that we're headed down. I think we're also going to see Jalen Samuels get cut. I think we're looking at three running backs in the Pittsburgh Steelers backfield. Uh, Najee Harris, obviously, is the starter. And then Tony Mack and Kalen Balaj being the guys that follow him. Not in that order. Not in that. Well, honestly, I don't know. I about think it's Balaj. Balaj will play more Balazs if Najee goes down. Balazs Tony Mack is going to get more carries than Balaj if Najee Harris okay. is healthy. I like that logic. He's going to be the change of pace back. Those three are your guys, though. Benny Snell, I think he falls in the Antoine Brooks category. He just didn't have any availability. We didn't get to see what he looked like. And. For the first time, really, in the past two years, he had some serious competition with a McFarland and with going out and getting Bellage for that number two spot. Yeah, I think the writing's on the wall for Mr. Benny Snell football in Pittsburgh. If if he doesn't play against Carolina, that's it. That's got to be the nail in the coffin. And right? I don't know if you've really seen him be available for the practices so far leading into the right. Carolina but I'm, game. I'm, so I'm talking I about agree. it's the nail in the coffin time for him that's the one way he can earn a spot back is by performing well in, in and in an actual game scenario but if he doesn't play then you have nothing to base your decision on and that you can't keep a guy you can't keep a guy like Benny Snell around and then cut Antoine Brooks you, if you're gonna get rid of Antoine Brooks you gotta use the same logic and get rid of Benny Snell and listen, like you're saying, he can have a chance to maybe one last gasp at it against Carolina. He's not going to get reps with the first team for what the first team is against Carolina. That's going to be Belage. That's going to be Tony Mack. He's going to have to do it against the bat with the backups. He's going to struggle. He's probably going to have Josh Dobbs as his quarterback for a good bit out there. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big struggle for him if he wants to resurrect his chances to make this team could qualify that as a bad draft pick maybe maybe a miss there maybe pick him in the third round you know i mean we're not going to really fault colbert for that because he's a thousand more home runs than he has strikeouts but But everyone's gonna when when you're a guy like kevin colbert swinging for the fences you're gonna strike out i wonder if he started to see this even earlier than all of us maybe after just the first year when you know you go out and you get anthony mcfarland in that draft following benny snell maybe he already saw some warning signs coming with benny snell football finally real quick before we wrap up I, you're keeping Roethlisberger, Rudolph, and Haskins. 
Dobbs gets practice squatted, or do you think they just say, Dobbs, you're waived, go find another team? I think it's else. a wave. I think it's a wave, too. I don't think you there's got any two need to keep guys. him on the practice squad when you got Dwayne Haskins yeah. that's going to be able to practice and you just be inactive on Sundays. Rudolph will be the backup. He'll have the hat on on the sidelines, calling the plays with Canada, relaying into Ben. So, Dobbs. Go work for NASA or something, That's dude. Fine. I mean, you you need make to make more money to be yeah. You need to be serving the world in a better way than just playing. You're only making like twenty thousand bucks as a practice squad guy, anyways. In all fairness, though, he'll he'll sign somewhere. I mean, he's a valuable yeah, he he's a he's a valuable person as a backup. He's smart, obviously. He's athletic, so he can he can run some some practice stuff. You know, if you're playing a Lamar, it's not exactly the same, but you need someone with some speed back there to simulate it. Dobbs can do that with also having the acumen of an actual quarterback. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard, though. When we get back, though, we got some news on the T.J. Watt front that is very encouraging. So we will dive into that on our next episode. If you want to check out this episode or our old ones again, go to Steelers.com, look at the podcast page, and hit up Steelers Standard. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Opferman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Steelers Nation Radio.